Right, ATP Podcast, Episode 13. Today I have with me Alexis Hutchinson, who is a physical therapist. Is that the title that you use? Yeah. Okay. Um, And you're someone, uh, so I want to get you in because you do physical therapy a little traditionally and a little non-traditionally, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. Can you explain to me a little bit about what you do and what what, uh, you prefer people say your practices? Sure, yeah. So I generally say that I work with active adults and athletes of all ages. Um, I think most people think of physical therapy as I had shoulder surgery or I had knee surgery. Mm They're going to come in two to three times a week for four to six weeks to a clinic and, you know, have some range of motion and, and a couple exercises, some lightweight, and be on their way. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, obviously we do treat people postoperatively, but I like to sort of fill in that space between what we really want to do in life and what that traditional physical therapy model looks like. Okay. Um, so... You know, oftentimes the people I see, they have recreational goals. They want to run. They want to lift weights. They want to participate in a Pilates class or a group fitness class. And they're having limitations that are keeping them from doing that. So I don't necessarily, um, I'm not a great fit for people who just want to get an MRI or are looking to have surgery or that sort of thing. Um, I rent space. I'm in a gym and I'm also in a Pilates studio. Okay. I have offices there. Feel free to plug them if you want. Sure, yeah. So I'm at the body shop over in Oakley. Okay. Um, And then I'm also at the breathing room in O'Brienville. Nice. So I have offices in both of those spaces, um, and I really look to help get people active, keep people active. Mm -hmm. It's not just about your what we would call physical therapy or occupational therapists call activities of daily living, which Mm. means being able to get dressed, go up and down your stairs. Those things are all important. Um, We're going to focus on those things, but I also want to take it a step further. Mm. Um, and, And I talk with a lot of trainers about, and they typically agree, there's this space between physical therapy and training that is just like no man's land. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people struggle to get over that hurdle to really get back to those things. And there's, I think, a few reasons why that happens. Um, What would you say are some of those reasons? One of the big ones is honestly insurance limitations. Mm -hmm. So insurance companies want to see that we're working towards those ADLs, that once you can go up and down the stairs or you can get in and out of your car, then according to them, your quality of life is great. And so you don't need to see your physical therapist anymore, you know, go on with life. But that's not typically the case, right? Right. Most people want to do more than that. Um, and so I think insurance is a huge reason for that. I think that, you know, and I worked, um, so I don't directly bill insurance through my practice now. Yeah. I'm all out of network and we can talk a little more yeah, about I that. Yeah, I want to get on that. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I did for years, I worked in a traditional clinic with, you know, taking insurance and it's absolutely, unfortunately, a consideration as a therapist when you're writing goals for those patients, you have to make sure that you are sticking to those ADLs and those functional things, even though that person may be a marathon runner yeah. and they want to get back to running marathons. They may compete in Olympic weightlifting competitions and that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. We can't really go there because their insurance won't pay for it. They'll gotcha. cut you off. And depending, and that's again, another long conversation, but everyone's benefits are different. Sometimes you have to ask for visits and if they see something mm-hmm. like that, it's a great reason for them to deny you. Yeah. So would you say you deal more with, with, with aches and pains than like injury or? No, I or would you say deal it's with both. Okay, yeah, gotcha. so I, I do see some acute injuries. Okay. I 
recently had a patient had an acute ankle sprain. She came mm-hmm. to me pretty swollen, and you know, right from day one. Um, so yeah, no, I do see injuries. Okay. And I also see people who have chronic pain issues. Like the itises. Yes, the itises and yeah. the chronic <laughs> neck pain, chronic back pain. Okay. All those different things. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. How long have you been doing your practice like mm-hmm. this, this way? Almost two years. Two now. years. And yeah. how long have you been a PT? Six. Six. Okay. So, six, so yeah. what made that transition those first four years of regular mm-hmm. into where you're at now? Um, there was actually even like a six month period of where I was doing a little bit of both okay. and kind of doing this on the side. Um, so why did I transition? Yeah. 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 So I think part of it is, you know, what I just talked about with the insurance. Mm -hmm. I was a bad employee because I would do whatever the patient needed and not necessarily what was reimbursed or that sort of thing. Uh, You wanted to break out of the system. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think especially with everything going on right now, you and I can agree that we very much live in a, where it's a sick care system, right? It's not really a health care system. There's no prevention. It's all after the treatment, after the fact. And the funnel that people go through is just, it's just broken and it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of wasted money. Um, There's a big misconception that you have to see your doctor first, right? Right. I hurt my knee. I need to go see my physician. Well, then you're going to get an x-ray. You're going to wait a week to go, right? You're going to get an x-ray. They're probably going to end up sending you to physical therapy anyway. You know, spoiler alert, I don't care what your x-ray showed unless there's a fracture. I don't care. I don't care what your MRI showed. There's not a lot of correlation between what we see on an MRI yes. and you. what the patient is experiencing. 100% so agree. I don't care. <laughs> um, and you don't need to go through all those hoops. Just come to the PT. And mm-hmm. so I'm really, you know, part of it is educating the community on what we really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just skipping out on, you know, the other thing is really limited with what you can do in terms of time. I've worked in clinics where I had to double book patients. I've worked in clinics where I've had 30 minute visits. Yeah. By the time the patient comes in, sets their jacket down, tells me about their weekend, we've got 15 minutes left and... That's not enough time. It's not enough time to do anything. And so I would feel like I was choosing, like, do I do some manual therapy with this patient? Do we hop onto the exercises? Mm -hmm. How do I get both of these things? Um, And they push you to see people two to three times a week. And you feel like they're trying to just pump people through. Yes. It's it's a business model almost. A hundred percent. Yeah. It is the two to three times a week or four to six weeks. It's a business model. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are very few patients I truly feel need therapy more than once a week or once every other week um, if they're going to do their homework if they're going to be compliant mm-hmm. if they're going to make modifications throughout their day that we talk about um, they can come see me once a week and usually we can get them where they need to be so it yeah. saves them time you know I'm able to do a full 60 minute session I don't feel rushed to get them in and out yeah. um, and and so just stepping away from all of that just the rules and regulations and yeah. expectations and it's just kind of nice to to be able to care for people Mm -hmm. in a way that I felt like was best suited. And what I think the intention is when you go to physical therapy school and they teach you how to treat people, this is what I pictured, not what I was doing. I see. Well, Mm -hmm. that's really awesome that you broke out. How uh, difficult was it for you to kind of, especially being cash-based and Mm -hmm. not insurance, how hard is that transition to make? It's been really interesting because I feel like in the last, like, even in the, the last year, People almost expect me to tell them I don't take insurance. Whereas yeah. the very first like six months to a year, people were like, 
oh, you don't? Like, they were so confused by, what do you mean? It, you know, my insurance covers physical therapy. Yeah. And I had to explain, well, but I don't, I'm not in network with them. I don't bill them. And I think a lot of people don't understand their insurance benefits, which is mm-hmm. another issue with the way the system works, is that people don't really know what their benefits are. Um, yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest, I don't right? go to doctors. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and most healthy individuals, they have no idea. And right. Well, I want to use my insurance. And then you find out that they, you have a $3,000 deductible you're never going to hit, whether you go in or out of network anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think people are starting to expect it a little more. There's actually some local physicians who are out of network. Yeah. There's several physical therapy practices, chiropractic practices that they're just not messing with the insurance and they're able to provide that higher level of care and they're Mm -hmm. able to give people, you know, the time they really need to find a solution quicker um, and more efficiently and for the long term. So they're not, I mean, I used to see people that would come back for the same problem every year. I'm like, we're not getting to the root of this if... I'm seeing you every year You're for the same the exact problem. Right, we're yeah. just treating the symptoms. Right. Um, so I think it's gotten easier mm-hmm. to answer your question. Um, but the hardest part is, you know, they don't teach you how to run a business in physical therapy no. school. So it was a lot of figuring that out, finding networking opportunities. Um, I was in a business mastermind for a year, which was incredible. Yeah. I worked with cash-based PTs all across the country. That's awesome. Um, there were 80 of us in the group. Oh, wow. So, so you got a good, pretty good support system yes. of people. Yeah. So you feel like that's kind of a movement right now that's going on with that in that mm-hmm. field, that people are moving toward that way. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely. Awesome. And I think, I think it's helping. The more of us who are doing it, the more that I think... Um, just communities are becoming more aware that it's a thing too. Yeah. So absolutely. So you typically see people for an hour. Is mm-hmm. that is that pretty yeah. standard? Yes. And you feel like that's adequate time? Yeah, yeah. I think most of the time I mean obviously there's some people we get talking and it Maybe, you know, we but go a little over. But maybe that's what they need right. at that time, too. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> yeah, and that's, again, another conversation of what's... What falls what under we really the umbrella do. Yes. or your scope. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know, 60 minutes is kind of that sweet spot. Occasionally, there might be somebody, we might do a quick 30-minute. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything going on, I've done a little more telehealth. Mm. And so some of those are a half hour. I'm not doing any hands-on work. Um, right. And we're really doing more observing through video chat um, so that's been kind of cool and an interesting way to I mean telehealth is becoming was becoming more of a thing even before this happened but it's nice to have that option to offer people if they're not comfortable coming in the office Um, so yeah it's it's um, how how limited is it though in your opinion compared to telehealth compared to -to face-to-face in person it truly depends on the patient okay there are people who I don't ever put my hands on their exercise base and it just depends on what's going on with them. So for them, um, sometimes it is adequate and it's completely fine. I think, um, most of my patients, I am, I would say I'm exercise based, but I do see a lot of value in manual therapy. Mm -hmm. So I prefer to see people in office. That's definitely my preference, but I do think that it's appropriate for some people and they can get a lot of benefit out of telehealth. Yeah. 
So what type of things all do you do? So you mm -hmm. said you do some exercise based, you do some yeah. manual therapy. Yeah. Can you give me kind of a list of all your services sure. that you provide? Yeah. So um, depending on the patient and what they need, I do mm -hmm. dry needling. Okay. Um, I do myofascial cupping. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I use some kinesio tape. I use rock tape. Um, so I've taken some of their courses. And I do instrument-assisted soft tissue massage. Like Graston so, tools? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Graston was like the original, and then they had coined the term Graston. Okay. And so instrument-assisted soft tissue massage is gotcha. the same. Yeah. Um, just different tools. Fair enough. But yeah, so I do some of that. Um, and then, yeah, it's not, I mean, I wouldn't say I do like a specific, like, Type of it just depends on the patient in yeah, terms of where absolutely. we go with exercise. I understand nothing's typical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's you know the great thing about this model is there's no I'm not handing out like a back program. Yeah. If you come to me with back pain, we're gonna talk about all the different reasons why your back might hurt, and we're gonna look at you and figure out what your what is going on yeah. with you. Not and I do some. Um, I've started doing webinars, which is a new thing. That's cool. But I've done some like workshops and whatnot, and yeah. it's great to give people that generic like tips and tricks and exercises. But the individualized plan, I think, is always the oh, very I hundred percent agree. Option, that's which, yeah, that's the way I operate too. Is mm -hmm. just it's like I tell everyone up front. I go, I'm not here to tell you I know what's gonna work right. Mm -hmm. now, you and I are going to figure this out together. Yes. It's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, and mm -hmm. then we hit a stride, and then we'll figure out. But yeah, it's yeah. it's everyone's so complicated that yeah, it's it's really hard to pretend to know right the exact route right away. Absolutely. Yeah. So where would you say your service stops before it becomes you're doing personal training? Hmm. Or what's what differentiates mm -hmm. you from that? Because you kind of gave me what differentiates you from regular PTs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of differentiates you from a trainer? Yeah. So, and I think, and this is a conversation I've had with a lot of my friends who are trainers or colleagues that I work mm -hmm. with, is there's always going to be that little area of overlap, right? Oh, absolutely, right? yes. Um, so I am not interested in really getting into that strength and conditioning. Okay. Like once they feel pretty good mm -hmm. and they're not having significant pain, yeah. um, and I think pain is a really... It's what everyone comes to me with, right? But it's a really hard thing to nail down. Like, when are we okay to, I don't want to say push through it, because that's never the goal. But, right. you know, we talk a lot about what's okay and what's not. Um, mm -hmm. And so it depends on the client and their trainer. And I try and build that relationship. Like, if, they're, if they've already got a trainer and they're going back to that trainer, yeah. I don't typically have them stop working with their trainer. Mm. Obviously, if they have some sort of fracture or something, that's a completely different right. story. But we're just going to work around that. Do you communicate with the trainer? Yes. And you try yes. to at least? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And, and most are really great about it. And mm -hmm. it's just that conversation of, okay, here's a couple things I'd like you to make sure they do during their warm-up. Or here mm. are the exercises I gave them. Or things they, they should probably shouldn't do. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think, and it's, you know, I'll ask too, like, what have you seen? Or what mm -hmm. feedback are they giving you? Because they may yeah. say something to you, and then they completely forget when they come in my office. So it's nice to have that relationship. Absolutely. But once they're feeling, you know, 99%, they're not having issues, they're able to do all the exercises they want to do with their trainer mm -hmm. and they're able to keep progressing, then that's when I'm like, okay, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. You're back in that strength and conditioning realm. You so don't need physical Would therapy. you say like you're trying to get them quality movement without mm -hmm. pain and yes. that's kind of up to that point then? Yeah, then the, they're, yeah. Okay. 
That's pretty cool. Off to the races. Um, yeah. So what, again, not, I know nothing's typical, but as best <laughs> you can, like, so what kind of things do you do to, like, assess the people and stuff? But mm -hmm. I, I know it's just, like, like, let's just take low back pain because that's, sure. that's a super common one. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you got people who have always low back pain. What, what kind of things do you go from there to figure sure. out what's going on? So, and this is the interesting thing about telehealth. If you just listen to someone for like 10 minutes, just mm -hmm. let them tell you all their symptoms, when they feel it, when they don't feel it, they'll 90% 90, 90 of the time tell you exactly what's wrong with them. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's the thing with telehealth is unless I feel like I need to do some manual therapy, they pretty much tell me what's going on with them just from listening. Mm -hmm. um, so I really try and take that good subjective history. Like when, when does it hurt? What type of pain are you having? Um, you know, with low back, we're going to talk about is it when you're sitting versus standing versus walking? That can cue us in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, are you having pain down your legs? Is it radiating into your hips? Um, is it constant? Is it coming and going? You know, having all those little subjective key-ins. And then from there, we're going to watch that person move. So. Yeah range of motion, how much are we really getting from the spine versus the hips and the pelvis, how's that all working together, mm -hmm. um, watching them squat, lunge, single leg balance, just kind of looking at all those um, yeah. things. And then depending on the patient, what do they like to do? If I have a runner, I gotta watch them run. Mm -hmm. um, if I've got somebody who you know is Olympic weightlifting, then I want to see them do those lifts mm. because otherwise, that's a, that's a key thing missing, right? Yeah. Um, so it's that subjective combined with almost watching them move and doing some of that testing is confirming your hypothesis. So you probably got to do a lot of homework then too on like the like Olympic lifting. Mm -hmm. We'll take that example. Like, okay, yeah. well, what is a good lift? You know, right. what is yeah. Yeah. what, what are they like? supposed to look like? And, yeah. yeah, and it's especially being kind of in this world now where I, I do feel like I'm sort of sitting between that traditional therapy and, and training. Mm -hmm. We don't get great education in physical therapy school on, yeah. and I had a little bit of it in undergrad, but um, especially Olympic lifting, like we didn't look at any of that stuff. Right. So that's all been learned after the fact. Yeah. But that's the cool thing is you can always learn something new. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And you don't always necessarily need to come from a certification or a right. schooling yes. traditional method. Yeah. yeah. There's all different ways to learn and um, different people to learn from. So, so yeah, I'm going to watch them do whatever activity it is that they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, general strength measurements, which are, you know, somewhat objective, but if at least the same therapist is, is right. testing um, each time. The improvement of something. Yeah, yeah, it's just something for me, again, it's confirming your hypothesis or leading you in a different direction. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, you know, kind of seeing, like, can I provoke the symptoms with what I'm doing mm. um, or not? And I think, you know, one of the other things that's important to understand about physical therapists is we are trained in differential diagnosis, meaning I'm going to ask questions to confirm that there's nothing going on where I would need you to go get imaging or be referred okay. to your physician. Um, so if I'm worried that there's a fracture or there's some sort of systemic issue based off what you're telling me, if mm -hmm. I can't reproduce your symptoms, then that's going to send up some flags that maybe we need to take a little deeper look. Maybe it's yeah. not simply, you know, something that physical therapy is appropriate for. Okay. Maybe you do need to, you know, see your physician or something like that. So that's why when I talk about going straight to a PT because your knee hurts, 
we're going to ask those questions. We're going to screen and make sure that you don't need to go see a physician first. Yeah. Save a little bit of time and money, hopefully. Yes, yeah. ideally. Do you find yourself butting heads with any traditional PT or um, more like medical staff? Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of feel like I don't deal with them anymore. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't really feel like I run into that because I, I don't know if you get anyone that comes from a doctor that they're like saying like this is a, I might need surgery I might do that and you yeah. go like I don't think so yet I don't know I mean I think there's always going to be a little bit of that and even when I was in a traditional setting you know people will come in and well my doctor told me that I'm going to need to have surgery or I'm going to need to have surgery in 10 years or something mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like well, how do you know that yeah I was told that on both of my shoulders I have a labrum tear in each mm-hmm. of them and they said you're going to need to eventually and I've done nothing but get better like I used to not be able to throw because I also tore a rotator cuff and that's gone away and it was like so why did you say that then right yeah exactly yeah there's the body is so complicated so to make that type of Mm -hmm. prediction is I think we we find one puzzle piece Mm-hmm. That that does work in a sense, and then we just overinflate that value of it, and right. that becomes what happens in medicine a little bit, mm-hmm. and we ignore the rest of the pieces that play into it. And, right. And I am I'm kind of this person. I tell everyone I'm kind of this person out here on the other edge, just because I feel like I need to be so I can find my way back to my middle a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I am the v- one that like very challenges a lot of the stuff that these people say. And oh yeah. Because yeah. of just what from what I've seen with people and my own experience and stuff and what I've grew up with what I the traditional knowledge I mm-hmm. learned seems a lot of it seems a lot backwards from what I'm finding out mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah well and it's you know like we mentioned before with the MRIs mm-hmm. I can do I'm sure we find all kinds of stuff on your MRI and yeah. on my MRI I read an article and it was like a 98% chance they'll find something if you go yes. under it like yeah. that's it they'll find yeah. something they're gonna find something now whether that's the pain generator and there is a ton of evidence especially in the low back mm-hmm. that there is a very limited correlation between disc injuries or um, stenosis, which is the fancy word for back arthritis. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have that, but they don't have any symptoms. So Mm -hmm. there's, you can't, if you have someone with back pain and you take that, it's a picture, right? right? You take that picture you don't know whether that's truly the pain generator or not. Right. There's a lot of other things that go into that. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah. Do you, um, how much outside of the I always say outside of the gym, but for you outside mm-hmm. of the clinic, um, do you pay attention to as well? Like, there, how much do you do you deal with any nutrition with people? Oh, do you deal with mm-hmm. any stress management type stuff? Yeah. Any of that lifestyle, holistic, whatever you want to call sure. it. So it's a big conversation, especially mm-hmm. the first day, and. It's so interesting how recently I've had so many people that have come in with flare-ups of chronic issues from all the excess stress of working from home, having mm-hmm. kids at home, not know unknowns in, in personal life. So um, that's always a big part of the conversation, okay. I think. And friends, family, whatever, they're always, my knee hurts right here. What is that? And I always have to laugh a little bit because I'm like, I don't know. Right. I, I have no idea what, information. what that is. Right. Like that's a very uh, bad description. Um, but we have this conversation of what does your sleep look like? Mm. What does your diet look like? What does your stress look like? Now, I'm not a dietitian, and mm-hmm. it's not in my scope of practice to write them a meal that's plan. That's what I was wondering. However, I think it's so often missed 
in doctor's offices, traditional PT mm -hmm. offices, we just act like that what they're eating doesn't affect their healing and their body. Right. And that's ridiculous, right? So although I'm not the person to give them guidance, it's okay. an important puzzle piece for me to know is this a problem? Is this something that I need to refer you to someone mm. to help with that? Or if you're working with a trainer, what kind of conversations are you guys having around mm -hmm. food? And I mean, I can obviously give them really basic, like you need to not, you know, eat fast food every meal. Right. You know, let's yeah. talk about you what you're general having. General advice. Yeah, yeah, general, obviously, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to write them out a meal plan. Okay. okay? Gotcha. But I know that I can refer them if it's appropriate. And it's just that education of sometimes just planting that seed of it matters. Mm -hmm. um, how are you sleeping? Oh, you know, I sleep like five hours a night and my kid wakes me up three times. Okay, well, sometimes there are factors that are hard. And if you're having pain, uh, I run into this a lot with like people with back pain. They have trouble sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's really challenging because sleep is going to help you heal yeah. and help you feel better. But It's a terrible reverse cycle. Sort exactly, of. Yeah. exactly. But I think just planting that seed that it matters. Yeah. So if you have bad sleep hygiene or you are staying up a little later, it, just letting them know like hey sleep can help so if there are some things you can adjust mm -hmm. it's a factor stress is a factor and I do talk a lot about breathing and using diaphragmatic breathing turning down that sympathetic nervous system increasing some parasympathetic activity getting control of our stresses um, what types of things can we be doing I have friends who are health coaches. You know, I'm going to guide them that way if they need a ton of work in that area. Mm -hmm. um, but I can give some general advice. And so I think sometimes it's pointing out to people that knee pain doesn't always mean that your knee is injured, right? right. Sometimes it has to do with that's like the path of least resistance for your body to express a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Sure, let's look musculoskeletally what's going on, but also what other factors do we need to consider that could be contributing to this? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, again, nothing's typical. Mm -hmm. How long do you tip? <laughs> how long generally? I'm, uh -huh. I'm sure it depends, it varies a lot, but. Um, I know you said you get them back to whatever they want to do their yeah. goal. How long does that usually sort of take? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's tough to... No, that's okay. So, obviously, it depends on how long they've had the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So, what I typically tell people is the longer we've had an issue, it's probably going to take a little longer to resolve. Mm -hmm. um, and we could go all into down the rabbit hole of pain science and, yeah. you know, our nervous system and how it remembers these things. Um, but I usually see people to start once a week for probably three or four weeks so okay. that we can really, and you mentioned this, like sometimes I don't know a hundred percent what all this person's mm -hmm. going to need, but we're going to work through that. Yeah. So if I can see you on a weekly basis to where we're checking in, we're trying different, you know, like I said, maybe some dry needling, if that's a great fit and it seems to be providing some symptomatic relief so that we can get some more benefit from some of the other things we're doing, great, yeah. we're going to go that route. If they don't respond well to that, maybe we'll try some cupping or something else. Um, so usually about four weeks of that one session, um, mm -hmm. and then we're going to space out from there. So depending on the patient, um, I actually sell packages, so I'll do like a six yeah. or a ten visit package, and that way we can, okay, let's go two weeks. How did we do during that two weeks? What questions did we have? How are we feeling? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now we're going to go a month. I want you to check in with me in a month and let's see where we're at. Because the goal is always to empower people to manage these things on their own. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see people 
every week for the rest of their life or they right. don't they don't need me that's not the goal the mm-hmm. goal is to teach them what to do on their own so you know usually after you know four three four weeks we're going to start spacing that out let's see how you do i do have some people that come in for continuity visits like once a month or mm. once every other month but and that's the other thing is physical therapy people always think i have to be in a ton of pain to need physical therapy but you don't really have to hurt to come in and let's just see how things are moving. Yeah. You're getting a little tweaky here okay. or maybe we're not lifting as much. Let's have a conversation of why we're not able to break through that plateau mm-hmm. um, You know, if you're not working with a trainer. Even if you are, sometimes I tell trainers, like, maybe you just need someone to say the same thing you're saying to reinforce it to the person. Yeah, it's like the too. thing with your parents, yeah. you know, right? Your they mom tells you something you. and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. But your coach says it and you're like, oh, well, coach said this. Yeah. It's the same idea. Sometimes you just need a different voice saying the same thing. Um, So the maintenance part of physical therapy, again, you can't do that with insurance. Um, But it's helpful for people sometimes to come in and just, you know, kind of take a step back and and work through some mobility things Mm -hmm. or, you know, just get a little education on, hey, my shoulder bothers me when I do this move. And it's not a ton of pain. But but I I notice it. But I notice it. Well, maybe we can prevent that from turning into pain right. if we address it now. And I think that's huge, just mm-hmm. that preventative side. If you catch something early when it's, it's not really so a big problem, easier. it's easier to fix. It goes yes. away faster, and then you, you don't have to worry about it right. anymore. It doesn't, yeah. And those people I can see once or twice, and they're good. Yeah, you're like, all right, yeah. Done. Yeah. Out of here. But when people are like, well, this has only been bothering me for like, I don't know, a year. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to take a little longer. <laughs> yeah. And you just now came in. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 But people are, I mean, I'm stubborn like that too. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I'll figure it out. Or people think it'll just go away. And yeah. sometimes it doesn't. So. Yeah. Now how long, okay, that's a good thing to talk about though. So how long, let's say, let's say I did today, I was in the gym and like my knee mm. just, my knee felt a little off. How long? Should I let that persist before coming? Should I come to you right away or should I like, mm. well, let me let me take tomorrow off. Let me do something light. Let me like what kind of things yeah. like that? Like if I first noticed something acute one time. Right. So it depends. Okay. That's always the answer. It's, let's say it's not bad. Let's say it's right. just a little like yeah. that, that felt weird. Like you said, my mm-hmm. shoulder, but it's the first time I noticed yeah. it. Do you recommend? So, let's say you're you're in the gym, you feel it when you're lifting or something, mm-hmm. and maybe it bothers you for an hour afterwards, but the rest of the night you're fine, and the next day you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're it probably who knows, right? Yeah. But it went away. Um, if it's something that it bothered you for the rest of the day, and you woke up the next morning and it felt really stiff, then I say why wait? Okay. Is kind of my attitude about it. Yeah. Um, if it goes away, you know, within a few hours, then it's probably fine. Okay. But if it's something where it's persisting over a day or two um, mm-hmm. and it's not really getting any better, then I would say it's worth at least getting looked at. Again, those are situations where maybe you can come see me one time. I give you a couple things to, mm-hmm. you know, we look at it, do a little bit of work on it, have a few conversations about some things that can help, and then you're on your way. Gotcha. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had so far? Um, like in business or no, in um, like physical therapy world. Like, what are some of the hardest things to fix that you feel like? Ooh. Is there anything that? So, hands are difficult. Okay. <laughs> 
there are um, therapists, a lot of occupational therapists, some physical therapists who actually specialize in treating hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, I can do a lot of the like basic you know, carpal tunnel syndrome I'm comfortable with. Okay. There's a few pretty like basic, straightforward hand issues that are easy to treat, but like trigger fingers and stuff like that, I usually refer, refer those out. Because okay. um, we do everything with our hands, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of just little nitty-gritty things that I think are really important for somebody who specializes in the hand to treat. I get you. Um, I think one of the other things that is challenging is um, just chronic pain in general. Okay. There's a mentality barrier to break through. And I think as a therapist, most therapists would tell you that when it comes to back pain, there's a huge psychosocial aspect to it. And there's a lot of studies on Mm -hmm. that as well. Um, Our attitudes towards Mm -hmm. pain is a big challenge to get over with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And you really have to explain to them, look, the way you think about this matters, right? We can't, if we think, and I've done a lot of like discussion with patients on this. We don't have bad backs. We right. don't have weak backs. Our right. spines aren't fragile. There's this huge uh, misconception around back pain and backs that it's this fragile thing and we shouldn't twist our spine and we shouldn't do this and that. You shouldn't strengthen it all. You shouldn't train it. Deadlifting is bad for your back. Yeah. I mean, these crazy things that have just been told to people for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, one of the, we see that in the training world a lot. Like people oh, are yeah. afraid to train the back at mm-hmm. all. Like, I'm like, well, if you want it to be strong, you've you got to train it. Train it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem is, yeah, going too hard too fast, but that's with everything. Right. So why it's not any different than any other muscle, joint, anything yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the when one of the biggest hurdles is when a patient comes in, well, my doctor told me to never squat because it's going to mess with my knee or it's going to hurt my back. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, every time you get on and off the toilet, you squat. Right. So let's really talk about... You like, have to. You have to squat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and most people need to be able to squat down to pick up their kids or their grandkids or their nieces and nephews. You know, let's talk about mm-hmm. your daily life. I'm not even talking about getting under a barbell. Right. You have to squat. Mm-hmm. It's part of life. Yeah. So having those conversations and sometimes there's that barrier of, but my doctor said... Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I understand that, but I want you to think about it from this perspective. Yeah, it's but you talking about. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Fine. But the um, talking about the attitude toward it and everything. Yes. Yeah. So um, there is a lot of research that shows that patients who feel their backs are fragile or that mm-hmm. they're afraid of moving their back or afraid of lifting or they um, have this perception that their back is bad and there's something wrong with their back, their outcomes are way worse than people who don't have that. And there's actually studies that show that having an MRI of your back can promote worse outcomes mm-hmm. in those patients because then they have this picture in their mind, well, well, I have a disc injury or I have stenosis, so my back is bad. And it's never going to be better, and I'm always going to have pain. Yeah. Well. Not the case. Yeah. (laughs) But, unfortunately, that's going to have an effect on their outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, it's... I always try and reiterate to people that our bodies are so complex, and when you are feeding those negative thoughts... Your body remembers that. Your brain remembers that. It is. And, you know, I use the... um, 
Have Love's Dogs experiment a yeah. lot to explain to people how our brains, that there's a subconscious, it remembers all of these things. Mm-hmm. Sights, sounds, smells, and you're just reinforcing that memory with these fears and these concerns about your back yeah. that quite frankly are unfounded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really having that conversation of giving people control back and understanding that you ha- your mentality and the way you feel about how your body moves and what your body is capable of doing and pain and understanding where pain comes from having that is really powerful for people and it depends on the patient you know how far down that road you go of getting into like the weeds but most people are familiar with that experiment and so when i when i say that Mm -hmm. patients are like oh you're right yeah that's how our brain works we remember these things and so all that muscle tightness and that guarding it's not because your muscle is physiologically shortened it's because it's trying to protect you from it's your brain trying to protect you from something that you know really isn't there but right. it's a, a memory right exactly yeah. exactly your pain is real mm-hmm. you feel that i understand that your pain is real right but almost you're causing it <laughs> right you, well you have power over, over it is yes. the way that i yeah. like to explain okay. it to That's people you know you you have control over this and we can change the mentality around this yeah it's amazing to me yeah i i never thought about it in that way i was just reading a book similar concept but mm-hmm. someone guy was talking about your body will process food differently depending on how you feel about eating it mm, like literally like like if you were to cheat on your diet and have a pizza and you felt terrible about it, yeah. it actually would be worse for you than if you were just like, you know what, I'm happy I ate that pizza. Yeah. Like it's delicious, it's a physiological a difference slice. that you yeah. trigger. Right. And so that makes perfect sense to me that pain is the same way where mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I tell people it's, you know, we always, we, we try and we work around pain, not through it. But I also mm-hmm. tell people like, we're going to develop a healthy relationship with pain because mm-hmm. we're going to understand it. We're going to learn what it is and we're going to learn when it's there or when it's really not there, right. you know? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. How often, how often do you uh, have to tell people you're not just getting old? Because oh, how gosh. often do you hear that? Yeah. Oh, I'm just getting All old. Well, I'm this age, so I'm going to have some aches and pains. Right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It doesn't inherently come that way. Like, right. I, I'll, I'll admit, a 20-year-old body works a lot better than a 60-year-old body. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. a fact. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to be in pain, pain. can't move yeah. when you're that age. Like Right, exactly. And a lot of times it's finding the things that... Not only that you like, which I'm sure you have this conversation with people too, mm-hmm. right? Movement and exercise is about enjoying it. Yes. Because the second you feel like it's a punishment for what you ate or it's um, just something that you have to do, mm-hmm. it's not fun anymore. No. Right? And then you're not going to stick with it. You're not going to get as good of results either. Right. Yeah. And the patients I see who they go back and forth between group fitness classes or, you know, oh, well, I was working out, but I then I kind of stopped. Well, why? Were you not having fun? Did you not mm. like it? And we have that conversation. What types of things do you like to do? Yep. Because that's something you're going to be compliant with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there I'm a strong believer in strength training mm-hmm. and having that good balance between doing some things for your cardiovascular health, working on your strength. Yeah. There's benefits to all the different types of exercise, right? Mm-hmm. But the most important thing for me and like where I sit is I just want you to move and yes. find something you'd love to do yep. and that keeps your body moving. Activity, I, that's how I'm, activity yes. is way more important than exercise to right. me. You just yeah. need activity. Do something. Yeah. Yeah. And find something you like to do because then you're going to be consistent with it. Absolutely. So important. Awesome. Um, 
So how long did you always know you wanted to be in this profession? When did you kind of figure that out? What's what's kind of yeah. your backstory with all this? So I, um, this is just like such a typical PT story. Okay. I played soccer growing up. All right. I tore both of my ACLs in high school. Nice. So I did a ton of physical therapy. <laughs> um, and that's really was my initial exposure to it. Mm-hmm. So I um, tore my left ACL at the end of my freshman year. And then okay. two years later, I tore my right ACL in the same tournament Damn. which is yeah crazy <laughs> same um, field no it, oh, was, okay. it was at the same park but yeah. not on the same field gotcha. yeah um so I'd never so, set foot on that ground again. I know, right? Um, <laughs> the funniest thing was, so my brother is four years older than me, and so he was in college when I was in high school, and those were the mm. only two games that he came to. Oh, geez. Oh, and so it's, yeah. So it's that's my brother's fault. It's yeah, really, exactly. I blame it on him. But it was so funny because the second time he was, like, hiding behind my parents. He's like, don't even let her see that I'm here. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, I did a ton of physical therapy um, when I was in high school, and then when I went to college, I went to UC, mm-hmm. um, and... And so I got my bachelor's in health sciences. Um, so it was a lot of biomechanics, kinesiology, all of that. Mm. And my goal was to go to physical therapy school. That's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was basically a pre-physical therapy degree. I could have, yeah. you know, got my CSCS, something like that okay. with it. But um, it kind of prepares you for tests like that. But went to PT school at the Mount over here. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I... That's really why I decided I wanted to do it. Um, yeah. You know, I think everybody their first year of college goes through this. Like, well, if I'm going to go to school for seven years, should I just go to medical school? So I did some shadowing. Mm. I looked at dietetics. I looked at medicine. Um, and I just landed back with PT. Okay. So you always kind of knew somewhere in the medical, medical health care, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. I got gotcha. you. Yep. yep. How, much of, how much of the stuff you learned in school? do you apply today and how much of it is more what you've learned just doing what you do? Mm -hmm. So physical therapy school is really there to prepare you to take the boards to be licensed. Mm -hmm. So when you come out of physical therapy school, you are competent to safely treat patients in a variety of settings. Um, So they prepare you to work in a hospital, acute care, skilled nursing, Mm. neuro rehab, Um, So I did two of my clinicals, actually one um, in Columbus and one in Lexington, working with patients with spinal cord injuries um, and orthopedics. So you're prepared to work in any type of setting, home health, um, and you're really um, just competent and prepared to take your boards, right? Okay. From there, it's up to you as a clinician to take that responsibility in whatever area you determine to go into to be the best that you can be in that area. So for me, um, I loved neuro and I loved ortho. And I just kind of... My life led me down that ortho path with yeah. when I graduated. Um, and so a lot of the things I apply with my patients now, you know, your um, examination techniques and, and the way that you learn to kind of communicate with people mm-hmm. and explain things to them, I feel like I took a lot of that from PT school. Okay. But a lot of my thought processes now, continuing education courses that I've taken since, mm-hmm. and experience. I think yeah. the more patients that you work with and the more people you talk to and you see what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. that's really you know that's where you learn how yeah yeah because you learn how to explain things to people in a way that makes sense you learn how to motivate them um, and you learn how to you know what techniques work for certain diagnoses and what 
really doesn't. Mm -hmm. Nobody's a case study like what you right. see in school. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of people don't realize how many different places you might find a PT, mm. um, and that we're trained to really do all of that. But at the end of the day, once you graduate and you sort of start to specialize in your your area, mm -hmm. um, then you have to pick and choose depending on what type of patients you're working with. Okay. So what kind of stuff is the neuro deal with then? Strokes. Okay, spinal I was going to ask if you deal with any of like that motor control issue stuff, like yeah. strokes or Parkinson's. Yeah, or... so I have. Okay. Um, like I said, I did some clinicals and I did a little um, like PRN work mm -hmm. with that. I've seen like in outpatient clinics I've been in. Um, generally, I was always like if a neuro patient would come in, they were always put on my schedule because I was comfortable with it. Okay. So it's kind of like a side passion for me. I love that population. Yeah. Um, but orthopedics is really kind of my bread and butter. And okay. orthopedics, I feel like you apply to all populations, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so we all move the same way generally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just with neuro, there's some other things that you always have to consider. Okay. Um, what uh, what kind of things, if you remember? It just depends on what's going on with them. So, like, let's say if they have a stroke, and so one side is going to be affected over the other. Right. How you're teaching them gait training techniques, mm -hmm. how to use an assistive device, how to, um, like, if you go to, a, like, an inpatient rehab hospital, you'll see occupational therapists that are working on how to put on and take off their clothes with mm. one side. So okay. it's just a totally different, like, Now, how approach. much of that, in that case, did they do that, and how much do they try and get them to regain any control over their other uh, side? Yeah, so it depends okay. um, on what exactly their injury was, um, mm -hmm. and that's really the... Let's go with stroke, because I'm actually kind of asking you questions personally. I deal with one stroke with yeah. every person, and so, try to see if there's anything that I'm yeah, missing. Yeah, it depends on the severity of the stroke. So okay. stroke there's a wide range of effects. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and I really worked a lot more with spinal cord, so I know with spinal cord injury patients, it's usually within the first year to two, they're going to get back whatever they're going to, because the swelling goes down, mm -hmm. things sort of, the nerves wake back up. Nerves take a long time to yeah. heal. Even in my orthopedic patients, like if you have back pain and you've had numbness and tingling down your leg for a while, Mm -hmm. Your back pain is probably going to get a little better. That numbness and tingling, like, we want to see it improve. But sometimes those nerve symptoms can take a little while to totally go away, yeah. um, depending on how long they've been affected. So nerves just have a slow recovery rate. Um, but with, you know, stroke patients, it just depends on how far they're out. Usually, I think within the first year, you see some of that stuff come back. Mm -hmm. And neuro rehab is really balancing recovery versus compensation. Mm -hmm. And so you have to figure out with that individualized client or patient, like, are things getting better? Are we building, are we getting more movement and right. observing that mm -hmm. um, and trying to work with what they're gaining back and what they have, mm -hmm. but also teaching them ways to compensate. Right. How to where do the things necessary. they need to do. Exactly. Anyway. Absolutely. Exactly. So it's a really um, interesting balance trying to, and it, it, again, it's very individualized. Right. Spinal cord injury, it depends on what level their injury was at. Mm -hmm. There's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, it's complicated, right? Oh yeah, um, it all is. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think having that kind of background, it, it all just helps you learn how to communicate with people and, yeah. and even guide people in the right direction. I had somebody the other day, they sent me a message on Instagram, somebody I know 
oh, I have a friend and, and their father was just diagnosed with Parkinson's. Where do I send them? Mm. And it's great to kind of have that knowledge to say, okay, here's this, you know, I, I know these people in Cincinnati that work specifically with Parkinson's. Yeah. What part of the town, of the city are they in? Let me, you know, get you set up with these people. So PTs are really good resources, even just for referrals of yeah. where do I go? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you haven't done yet that you like kind of want to get into like with that? Mm. Is there any types of cases that you mm-hmm. are very interested to explore? I think honestly working a little more with um, like adolescent athletes. Okay. Specifically, I think um, there's a big gap and I mean, you can probably speak to this too. I think female athletes are just not trained very well. Yeah. This is how I ended up injured in high school, Mm -hmm. right? We played soccer. That was pretty much all we did. Mm -hmm. Our strength and conditioning was awful. Right. Um, We got on, like, the machines and would push weight around and do a little circuit twice a week. Probably with very little supervision and very Very little little quality of movement. Yes, and probably not nearly enough weight that we needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody was watching the quality of our, you know, plyometrics or anything, right? Mm -hmm. This is just crap. Um, I think you're right. I think the... The female population gets a backseat, and also some mm-hmm. some sports just that aren't at like football. Football gets everything, oh, and then 100%. from there it's a trickle yeah. down of who gets what's left. Exactly. And I do I see the that a lot, but girls don't. tend to fall more toward mm-hmm. the bottom when it comes to that. And they don't know any better, right? right? I had no idea. No, I thought that was just what we were supposed to do. Yep. They don't know. Yes. Um, and, you know, the coaches are already wrapped up in everything else going on. And mm-hmm. so they, I think, educating a little bit on mm-hmm. that. Um, and then just being able to work with more athletes who are, who have these acute injuries, right? Let's skip going to the doctor and getting the x-ray and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I sprained my ankle. I want parents to know that they can just bring their kid and I'm going to get them back quickly. I just saw an acute ankle sprain in a 13-year-old. Three visits. She's back to playing volleyball. Boom. Like She just needed educated. She needed the right guidance. Mm-hmm. She didn't need to see me two times a week for you know however many weeks, but I also had the opportunity to have that conversation with her of here's where strength and conditioning could help you. Mm-hmm. And you know being able to kind of slide that education in there Mm. um, is huge and on that note I think one of my biggest goals is educating our community on what physical therapists do okay Um, I think that people don't really know I think a lot of people think it's just when my doctor tells me to go Mm. I don't think they know what all physical therapists can do for them so you know I mentioned some of the different areas that you might see a physical therapist Mm -hmm. but I think some of the things that we can treat people don't even realize. Like yeah. I um, had a baby in November and I went and saw a physical therapist who specializes in pelvic floor and treating women, pregnant and postpartum women. Oh wow. And a lot of people don't know that yeah. that's an option. A lot of OBs just look at their patients and say, okay, you look good, go on back at six weeks. You just grew a child. Right. And that's a very specific field that probably requires a lot of specific knowledge to that. Exactly, exactly. So she has all this extensive training specifically in treating postpartum women, the pelvic floor, and, you know, I'm over here trying to tell all my friends, like, don't just go back and... You don't have to pee your pants every time you jump. That's not yeah. normal. Like we, and I think women are terrible about this. We just accept things. Like, well, I had a baby. 
it's just like the back pain right. thing, right? Like, it is well, what I'm it getting is. This, is. this age, so my back's going to hurt. Yeah. Well, I had a baby, so I'm going to pee my pants when I try and do jumping jacks. No. Mm -hmm. There is something you can do about that, and your pelvic floor plays a huge role in back pain and mm. in stability and hip pain and it can be the gateway to a lot of different things and so i think you know part of my big goal is just teaching people what all we can help them with mm -hmm. i think there's a huge misconception on what physical therapists even do i know that was a roundabout answer, no absolutely <laughs> no you guys those question. are kind of my like areas like i'd like to work a little more in that like adolescent yeah. promoting just what, what you would say female athletes should be doing yeah and then also, you know, just educating our community That's on what the heck we do. Say, educating, getting people out this, you know, again, breaking some of the traditional conceptions that mm -hmm. we've somehow come to have and being like, yeah. well, no, this is, you know, if you really look at it, there are some other things in play here that mm -hmm. we're just not looking at right, right. now. Right, exactly, exactly. So you said you had a baby last November, so mm -hmm. almost a year now. Yeah, he's yeah. he's eight and a half months, so that's goes awesome. Fast. Yeah. So how is that being a mother, mm -hmm. business owner, and physical therapist? How do you balance all of that together? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he. You know, I think this part of the benefit of doing your own thing is mm -hmm. being able to have some flexibility, right? Yes. So, um, you know, we've had great sitters who've been super helpful with him and I've been able to just schedule patients and you know we have great gals that watch him when we're out and my husband's very very supportive which is awesome. super important yes. um but you know he he works long hours and so it's kind of one of those things where we just balance it out take it day by day mm -hmm. and um you know I think Having a child is definitely one of those things where I can relate more to people who are, oh, yeah. you know, dealing with whatever the issue, whether it's, you know, a physical therapy issue or getting to the office or even just understanding, like, the extra stress for people who do have kids right now. Right. Um, now you really understand. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, my gosh, you're right. Um, <laughs> and it's also fun to watch him, like, from a physical therapy standpoint. You know, peds was always the one thing I knew I didn't want to do. Okay. Um, I love kids, but I just... It's you have to be very creative to be a pediatric very physical patient. therapist. Very patient, very creative. Um, I also like. I just don't want, didn't want to deal with parents. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so anyway. I it's fun to watch him figure out how to move. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, do you like assess his movement mm -hmm. at all? Like, hmm. Is that... <laughs> yeah, and I I'm always trying to like encourage him to you know do different things, but it's really fun to watch him figure out the world and figure out how to yeah. move. And where's he at right now? I have no idea how fast kids like develop. So the skills. interesting thing is, <laughs> with like those milestones, it, there's a huge range. Yeah, I'm right? sure. And oh, so I'm sure. it just depends on the kids. So he just started crawling, nice. and he just started sitting up on his own so it's that thing of like now I go in to get him from his nap and he's sitting up in his crib looking at me like hey mom I'm up yeah. I'm like oh my gosh that's awesome um, yeah but it's cool and just seeing him kind of you know mimic your facial expressions and just all kinds of fun you start developing a personality and yeah. everything yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. do you take after you or the husband more I don't know it's so when he was right first now. born everyone was like oh he looks just like Jason yeah. you know but as he started getting a little older he seems like Physically, he's a good mix between the two of us, mm -hmm. um, but I can't tell personality yet. We'll see. Okay. We'll see who he's a little more like. Are there any, any traits that you hope he doesn't get from you? Um, <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. I don't know. That's a good question. I think um, 
I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so I okay. hope that he's not as much of a perfectionist. Yeah. My husband is, um, he's one of those people, he's very confident in what he does, mm. and he has a lot of, um, like he's very firm in his opinions and how he feels about things, and I think that I am a little more of a people pleaser than he, I know I'm more of a people pleaser. Okay. He's not a people pleaser, yeah. though, is what I should say. And <laughs> I'm a little bit of a people pleaser, but I appreciate that about him. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that my son is a little more, um, less of a people pleaser, and and, um, you know, I get a little anxious about things, and I feel like my husband's just like, it is what it is. It'll be fine. Yeah. So hopefully he gets that from him. <laughs> now, has that experience, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's changed a lot in your life, but mm-hmm. in related to, like you did say, now you kind of have a little more sympathy for some parents in their mm-hmm. situations with mm-hmm. their stress. Is there anything else that that's changed as far as the way you practice your, uh, your practice? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. I don't know. I think, um, you know, it's opened up a lot of conversations with people, especially right now, just about like decision making and Mm. figuring out what's going on, you know, and I feel for parents who have kids in school right now. I can't even imagine trying to figure out, you know, what to do with them or that sort of thing. So again, I I think it always comes back to that empathy of Mm. like, it's just, I don't know, I think that there's this thing between parents where you just say, you know, yeah, I know, yeah. You know, you don't <laughs> yeah. even really have to go into details about it. It's just right. you say, well, this happened, and you know, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, on the on the business side of things, then, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the hardest, or what were the hardest challenges for, for starting your own company and and managing yeah. it right now? As Are you are you just the sole proprietor, mm-hmm. or sole yeah. operator, it's only just employee, me. just you? Yeah, okay. yeah just me. Um... So, probably depends on the day, what my answer is. Okay, yeah, fair. That's true. I think starting the hardest part was, like, it's easy to, you know, get your LLC mm-hmm. and set up a QuickBooks account and all that. That stuff's simple, exactly right? what I did. Yeah, <laughs> so simple. But it's figuring out how to reach people and how to network. And I'm a social person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem meeting people and talking to people. Okay. But it's how do... That way? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't really think that's, yeah. Okay. But it's how do I um, tell them what I do Mm -hmm. and how do I explain that it's not the same as just going to, you know, whatever physical therapy Mm -hmm. clinic around the corner. Learning how to talk about my business was probably one of the biggest challenges. And again, in physical therapy school, you're not taught how to sell your services. And I hate to say the word sell because I I think what I do genuinely helps people. Right. I think it comes from a great place and I think that it's skills that everyone needs to learn. So I hate to say sell. I'm not selling you. But you gotta make an income so you can eat and take care of it. Right, (laughs) right, right. And this is like why I think you should come see me instead of going there. Absolutely. What's what you wanna know what sets you apart and why maybe you could help someone more than someone else too. Exactly. And I think as a PT, you're, and again, as a people pleaser, you want to always say the thing that people want to hear, right? Mm. And it's learning how to just say, look, this is what my business is. Not everyone's a good fit for it. Mm -hmm. Not that I say like, well, I don't think you're a good fit for me, but sometimes you have to accept that someone's going to say, well, I just want to use my insurance. That's totally fine. That's your decision. Mm -hmm. Um, If it doesn't work out, you know where I am, right? And And it's probably nice too, because then you're not... When people don't want to be there, it's 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 a harder session, I'm oh, sure, because yeah. that's what it is for me. And I try yeah. I try to like if I can tell someone's not really in it, I'm like maybe wait 
I yeah. don't need you right now. You don't need me right now. Yeah. Think this about it. Yeah, yeah, a good place I to be. I want it to have good chemistry because that's where we're going to get the best results and we're both right. going to have a good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think learning how to talk about my business, why I was different, and explaining it to people in a way that made sense. You know, you mm -hmm. learn in PT school how to explain exercises and how mm -hmm. to explain their diagnosis and what's going on with them. Mm -hmm. But you don't learn how to tell them necessarily why they should come see you for PT. Like, they're already there. Right. They funnel in, they get put on your schedule, and you just treat them. Yeah. Um, and so that sales side of thing was things was really hard for me. Mm. It's a really big challenge. And then just learning how to even talk to people about money. Like I didn't have to take money from people. Yeah, when I that's always a that's my least favorite clinic. part of the job. It is. I think it's everybody's payment. least favorite, right? Like nobody wants to be like. I wish I could give this to you for free. Like, yeah, yeah, I love doing I lo this. Exactly. But I, again, but, I gotta feed my family, <laughs> make it yeah. And so you know how. Having that money conversation is never fun either. Mm. But other than that, any other big issues with running it or just kind of? Not really. No, no, nothing too bad. Yeah, I think those are the big things. So how, uh, when you're with your business, mm -hmm. do you see yourself growing it more? Kind of what's the next step for you? Yeah, so I think, you know, right now it was so interesting coming back from having a baby for a couple months and then mm -hmm. I had to close my in-office visits for a couple months mm -hmm. there and reopening again. Um, so my goal is to, I would love to eventually be able to have PTs that come and work mm -hmm. for my business, um, and that they would be able to do what I'm doing, but maybe they don't want to run the business side, right? They don't want to figure out QuickBooks and how to do finances. They don't want to figure mm -hmm. out, you know, marketing. I think you're always going to have to do it if you're in a cash based clinic, you need Absolutely. to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, but there's sides that aren't so fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't want to do that part, but they want somewhere where they can come and work and see patients the way they want to see patients. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to make those decisions and not worry about what the benefits are mm -hmm. or what the insurance is going to cover whatever. Um, and so I would love to eventually be able to bring people in and that they'd be able to use that as a hub for them to have the, you know, be able to care for patients the way that they yeah. want to. Would you go more employee or contractor route or do you not know yet? Probably contractor to start. Yeah. 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 It's a tough thing to think about. Like mm -hmm. I can't right now, I can't see myself being a boss of anyone because yeah. I'm, I'm so like, Everyone's got their own way, so it's like yeah. I don't want to tell anyone what, what to do, to do mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, you you want to find quality people that have similar right. beliefs and alignments as far as the the way you do things. Yeah, sort of. yeah. yeah. And I think that's a big challenge in what both of us do, right? Mm -hmm. Because from a physical therapy standpoint, I have my preferences mm -hmm. and the way that I approach things and the way that I see things. But I don't think just because another physical therapist would approach it a different way, it makes it wrong. Right. right? Exactly. I'm the same way. There's yeah. a million different ways to get to your goals. As mm -hmm. long as you're helping the patient and you care for them, yeah. that's what I think is most important. Yes. You don't have to educate the same way I do. You don't have to prescribe the same mm -hmm. exercises or do the same manual techniques. Right. Um, one of my biggest like issues is when I see trainers or physical therapists wasting time on like social media just bashing other trainers or other physical therapists. It serves no purpose. It serves no purpose. And from a physical therapy standpoint, again, nobody really knows what we do. So right. let's not waste our voice on trashing others, mm -hmm. right? Let's talk about what is it that we do and mm -hmm. why we can help you and let's educate the general public because that's what's most important. Don't confuse them with the this is good and this is bad. Right. Let's just promote, you know, the things that we believe in mm -hmm. and we're going to attract those people who 
understand what we're saying or they, you know, see something that we put out there that they recognize, you know, as Mm -hmm. something that they can see themselves working with you for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, that's, I think there's a million different ways. And I agree with the, the contract versus employee. And right now, like for me and my schedule, I'm like, I don't want to worry about managing anyone else. Eventually right. I would love to be yeah. able to, but I couldn't help someone right now because you don't have the, the I just don't have the capacity for it right, right. now. Right. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you right there. That's like, cause there's a million ways. And I always tell everyone, like, to me, it's like, if you believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. and you try and develop your skill set, whatever that is, as high as you can. Mm-hmm. you're probably going to benefit people. There's yeah. there's very few things that are inherently good or bad. It's, exactly. it's why are you using it? What is the reason behind it? And are you trying to give it as much quality? And do you believe in it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really right. what matters to me and like in your field my field and mm-hmm. almost every every field really right yeah, yeah. there's totally very agree. few things that are standard and need to be this is the way it's done and, yeah and even then like I, I think like most of us like again we we still don't have the whole picture Mm-mm. so I'm not going to pretend to like right. I, we're constantly learning and growing and new mm-hmm. things are going to happen and I what I say today may be different than what I think five years or five oh, weeks yeah. from now yeah like, because there are plenty of things I used to say to patients that mm-hmm. now I'm like I oh, that was so wrong yep but we learn and we grow and I think as long as you you want to be confident in what you're doing mm-hmm. but you need to take a, always take a step back and say I don't know everything. I'm never going to know everything. And I'm honest with people about that. Mm I don't know everything. I think that's some important thing to, to let yes. go of that need to, to always know be it. right or yes. know or to everything. be better or the mm-hmm. like you said too like trashy like we're all in this together like yeah. if you really if you're if you're in this field because you want to help people then you probably really don't care who helps people so long as someone gets someone is getting yeah. to where they need to go yeah. yeah I will have no problem referring someone to another trainer in the area right. if they like that person and I know them and I trust them like you're gonna do awesome with them yeah. that's great I mean I'd love business but right, yeah but at the same time if, if that's going to help that's you a better that's what fit i for want you. yeah yeah absolutely exactly you know, exactly i'm sure you do yeah deal with a lot of the same yes are you uh still in any kind of business group or anything right now doing any of that so right now i'm not so i did a year with the mastermind group i was in mm-hmm. it was super awesome um and just implementing things that i learned there i made a ton of friends in that group so we have a lot of back and forth on, you know, if something comes up, I'll kind of pull them on different ideas. Yeah. So I feel like I have a network now. Okay, yeah, you have um, connections. Yeah, so I'm not in anything, like, structured right this moment. Mm-hmm. Not that I wouldn't do it again in the future, but I think right now, when I'm ready to grow, if I'm ready to bring someone on, it'd be yeah. a great time to hop back into something like that. But I think right now, it's a matter of implementation and just continuing to grow my own mm-hmm. business and, and um, you know, communicate with those who I've already met through yeah. those groups. Is there, what, what right now is, do you have any immediate goals or anything? Like, is there a next step that you're working toward right now that you have in sight? Um... Not that you have to. Yeah. No, I think it's always important to have some sort of goal, <laughs> Something, right? Something, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, 
I'm moving up to doing, I was kind of scheduling patients around like babysitter schedule, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my son's going to be starting daycare. And so I'm going to have more consistency in my schedule again, which is going to be a beautiful thing because I haven't had that in eight and a half months. So yeah. I'm really excited. Um, and so my goal is really just to get everything kind of organized with my new schedule, mm-hmm. be able to, I used to offer online scheduling where patients could go in and schedule themselves. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to do that recently. So I'm excited to be able to reboot that. I think it's a nice thing for people to just be able to hop on there and see what I've got available and slide themselves in when it works. Mm. Um, So I'm excited to get that up and running again um, and just be able to keep doing some of these webinars. That's been a really interesting thing to learn and figure out. I... You know, being cash-based, sometimes there is that barrier of coming to see me in terms of finances right. and being That's able to afford thing. it. It's, right. Unfortunately, sometimes it's a luxury more mm-hmm. than... Yeah, know. yeah. And depending on, you know, where people value spending their money, um, you know, that's also sometimes a factor. (laughs) And, you know, the benefit for me, at least I can take HSAs and FSAs, which is really nice, the health savings account. So a lot of people have the high deductible plans now with the health savings cards that they put money on. So I can at least take those, which is helpful um, because a lot of people will just have some cash kind of rolled up in that that they can spend. Um, But, you know, I think just being able to get that, you know, schedule a little better organized, get people in Mm -hmm. on a more consistent basis without having to like juggle scheduling through me. I would love to have an admin at some point. That would really be my next thing. Yeah. Having an admin, somebody to take care of scheduling and paperwork. Yeah. That's probably the least uh, glamorous part of owning a business for me, especially is that, yeah, yeah, the paperwork stuff. Social media is my least favorite. Well, actually you know what that too. (laughs) I literally, I tell people I have to force myself every night to go through it because I'm like, because also like I don't want people to think I don't care about their stuff if right. they're in contact with me and yeah. my my social media sucks. Yours is pretty good. You actually thank you. I appreciate. Do you have that. someone that edits that for you? Is that you? Oh no, I do all that stuff. That's incredible. Yeah, That's really it's, good. Um, it's a pain. It yeah. takes a lot of time. And you know, it's funny because I'll do really well where I'll post like every day for like a few weeks, and yeah. then I'm like. I always have to think back to like, what do people ask me a lot about? That's what I, cause I always mm-hmm. want my stuff. Again, I don't want to post about like, do this, don't do that. Like I'm not trying to confuse people. Just, Hey, does your back hurt? Try this exercise and mm-hmm. see if it helps. Right. Or, yeah. you know, I did like a whole series on squat myths. Mm-hmm. Like people have, they think squats are bad for their knees or their knees can't go past their toes. You know? So I did a series where I kind of talked about different squat myths. So yeah. just things to be educational is always what I'm shooting for. And sometimes I just don't have that, um, you know, those moments of uh, having inspiration. A, inspiration. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm looking for. I'm like, I don't feel inspired. What do I? What have people been asking me about recently? Yeah, um, no, that's tough for me too. I is. I never think, and I never think to film anything. Like I. I, I tried originally to do the, like, okay, I should post that. And I was just like, but I don't want to post every day. Yeah. And if I can't want to do it, should like, I don't know. For me, it's like, now I'll just post. And I probably would get more business if I put more into that. Yeah. But it's been going pretty well so far without. So I'm kind of like, eh, do I need to do it? I really, I know. Well, and I think, too, like, the biggest referral source for me is current patients. Right. So if yeah. you treat people well, like your business is going to naturally grow. Exactly. I'd rather spend that energy mm-hmm. on the people I have. Right. And then that's like you said, that referral. Cause, yeah. and that's where people are going to get their most of where people will trust someone to come yeah. see you. And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, administrator would be nice to have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I think I was mentioning the um, barrier to entry with the yes. um, finances. 
besides the HSA thing. So I, I've always done workshops. I think you and I have talked about this in the past mm -hmm. where like I'll come in and talk about back pain and kind of give some general information. Yeah. So I transitioned to webinars, which okay. has been interesting to learn, but it's really cool because I can create a PowerPoint. I throw some videos on there of some different exercises. People can go back and rewatch it, which is really nice, or yeah. they can watch it later. Um, so it's not like they have to buy it and be on it live. Mm -hmm. Whereas like when you do a live workshop, obviously people have to be available so and scheduling is really hard. Yeah. yeah. But it's always like a five, ten dollars just to like get people to commit to it. Yeah. Um, but it's a low cost and they can ask questions and, you know, figure out if I'm a good fit for them to work with, mm -hmm. um, but also just get a little education on what they can do to hopefully help themselves. So um, that's a big, you know, goal for me is to keep learning different ways that I can just reach more people and mm -hmm. not only educate them on what physical therapy does, but on ways that they can help themselves. Did you make that transition because of the COVID or were you mm -hmm. doing that already? So it's funny. I actually had been thinking about it for a while because okay. I felt like the biggest barrier with workshops. I used to have so many people, I want to come, but I can't make that time. And mm -hmm. I did weeknights and I did Saturday mornings and I tried all the different mm -hmm. timing and there's just never a time that's going to be great for everyone. Right. So I had already been thinking about like, what can I do online mm -hmm. that could be helpful? Um, I could still present the same information, but people can watch it on, on their own time. And so this was kind of the push I needed to okay. figure it out, I think. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you do any workshops at all, or you left that behind? I will hopefully do them okay. at some when point. I don't, yeah, I don't know what people are comfortable with. Well, that's point. true, yeah. It's really, you have to, yeah. But, but it's not out of the cards. Absolutely not, okay. no. I love doing them. I love being able... I'm... I like to be able to connect with people and mm -hmm. and even just you know meet them and talk to them about what's going on. So I like mm -hmm. the in-person stuff. Um, you know, with the webinars, I can't see them. I'm just presenting. Um, so that's a little bit of a barrier of not getting that feedback of are people understanding what I'm saying or yeah. they, you know they can type it in the little chat box. But it's not the same. No, those yeah. nonverbals are huge. Mm -hmm. So I would prefer to do them in person. But it is a nice way to be able to share information with people who couldn't come live gotcha. for whatever reason um you being a somewhat of a healing expert uh what are some things people can do in your opinion to to help recovery faster mm -hmm. um and just general anything what are some good habits that just promote o overall you know yeah. body recovery sure so i think one of the biggest things that i see in people who are higher level or they're very competitive is that their rest days are not true rest days, mm. right? Mm -hmm. They're like running stadium stairs or something on their rest day, which mm -hmm. is not rest. Right. Um, so giving, truly giving your body time to recover, right? Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're getting some sleep, making sure that you're staying adequately hydrated. I think those are like the simple low-hanging fruit that people just overlook. Right. Or there's always an excuse, you know, well, I got caught up with watching this show. I mean, even if it's not a good excuse, there's right. always there's an excuse, there. right? Yeah. So I think part of it is just being making sure that you're sleeping, that you're staying hydrated, mm -hmm. and understanding that more is not always better. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people feel like in order to lose weight or to get stronger or whatever it is that they just need to do more and more and more right. when really your body is capable of so much but you need to allow it to recover so and proper recovery is huge yes. and faster is not always better either I always point right. out to people people want that quick and right oh, now gosh. it's like yeah the slower the better sometimes for a lot of mm -hmm. things yeah mm -hmm. and I 
I have that conversation with all of my patients and I'm sure you do with clients mm -hmm. too is they expect results like that. They want to come in and after their eval, well, I don't really feel any different. I'm like, well, how long did you say you had this injury or this problem? Three years. Well, right. of course you don't feel different after one visit, right? Mm -hmm. If I can make a little bit of a difference, that's great, but we've got to give it a few weeks and we've got to be consistent. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge. Consistency is key. So I think recovering, mm -hmm. being consistent, mm -hmm. um, and then just being aware of, you know, the other factors in your life, your stress and how you're managing that and, mm -hmm. um, you know, not looking at your body and saying, my hip hurts, so something's really wrong with my hip, but really taking the time to, okay, when does it hurt? And being a little intuitive about what's going on with you and am I more stressed and has my diet been kind of crummy lately and mm -hmm. you know what all can I do that can help me besides this stretch or this yeah. one exercise? If that's everyone's favorite question. I have pain here. What exercise do I need to do? Right. That's As if favorite. it'll magically, yeah, do these and it'll be gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no one perfect exercise. Even if you tell me that you have this specific diagnosis from your doctor, I do not have one exercise that's mm -hmm. going to help you. That's just not how it works. <laughs> so where are you at in, in your own personal health journey right here? Um, I said you bounced back from the baby really well. So that's you. awesome. I, um, so my husband and I recently ordered a squat rack for our basement, so I'm super nice. excited we're going to have okay. that at home. It's yeah. sometimes hard, and other parents will understand to get your workout in. I'm um, sure. There's not a ton of facilities that have, you know, childcare, and it's like I don't want to pay a sitter so I can go work out, you know. And we have right. some equipment in our basement, but we're upgrading, so I'm super excited about that. Nice. Um, so I personally like to strength train. Yeah. Um, that's really what I enjoy doing. Yeah, you just mentioned you did trapeze yoga. Oh yeah, before yeah. I came here. So I'm also always interested in trying new things. Um, so I went down to um, my friend David's gym, Lions Pride. Shout out. Yeah. yeah, and um, Lions Pride Wellness Center downtown, and he's got somebody who's going to start offering yoga trapeze classes, and it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, she kind of showed me all the different, you know, moves and how to get in and out of it and mm -hmm. I it's really challenging yeah. but it was I felt more supported than I thought I was going to like I watched a video of him doing it and I was like I can't do that but <laughs> the way she walked me through it I was like oh this is so cool yeah um so I like trying different things I love reformer classes at the breathing room okay um so when I was pregnant with my son I went in and did like private prenatal sessions once a week and mm -hmm. I think that was huge for just staying connected to things yeah you know during pregnancy, everything kind of stretches and you start to lose that motor control and just mm -hmm. where things are. And obviously it was coming, you know, after I had him, then it was relearning everything again. Right. But I do think that it was a little easier to find those muscles again because mm -hmm. I worked, I trained through my pregnancy. Okay, so how long did you mm -hmm. stay active during all of that? Pretty much through all of it, I think I probably kind of really stopped around like 37, 38 weeks because okay. I just felt just like a, I was done. Right. Um, and I All the energy had to be focused on yeah, just getting through the rest of that. Like sleeping and just, yeah, yeah. There comes a time where it's okay to just like right. take a break. Yeah. Um, but, and I probably quit doing barbell work when I was 
seven months pregnant, six okay. or seven. Oh, but that's pretty. Comfortable that's pretty anymore. into it though, and that's yeah. why you stopped. Was like, okay, yeah, so I just feel would, good. Yeah, and you. I just work with dumbbells and kettlebells instead. Yeah, it just made more sense. It felt better. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, having some guidance is super important, especially if you're not really 100 percent sure what you're doing. But it's mm-hmm. great to stay active, and I kept walking. Mm. Well, I have two dogs, so we would walk, um, and mm-hmm. we still walk. I walk pretty much every day with them and nice. the stroller. Oh yeah, now you get the strolling around the neighborhood. You can do the stroller, stroller. runs. Uh, I do not love to run. Okay, fair enough. No, no <laughs> not <worries>. my thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing I will say. I really enjoy strength training. Yeah. I like the reformer. Um, I love to walk. I'm just not a runner. No, I tell people you don't. I think it's important for everyone to have the skill. Yes. But I don't think you need to be a runner. If something I think you have to be able me, to run, yeah, but you I don't have to be a runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good to be able to do it. Yes. Um, I like treating runners. Okay. But I myself... It's not my favorite yeah. activity. I understand. Yeah. So strength training, trying new things, What other, anything else that you... Um, I mean, I will occasionally do, like, some group fitness classes, mm-hmm. but, again, it's just not really... Not yeah, yeah. Um, I used to really like to go um, to some of Kelly's classes at the body shop, mm-hmm. and Ashley Jones at the body shop does some kick-ass group classes every now and then. Okay. Um, so, you know, I would go to some of hers, but just with, again, with everything going on recently, I haven't really been able to get back into it, right. but ideally I would like to do, you know, a Pilates class once a week, mm. and then, you know, train, strength train two to three days a week, okay. and then maybe do like a group class or something. But there's like Zoom nice. classes now too, which are fun. You know, you can hop on and do it from home, which is a little easier with having a, a baby too. So. so you work out about four or five days a week? Is that typically, pretty typical? Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. two off, but you're still walking or something. Yeah, active. yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you that because you're talking about athletes not resting. Like, mm-hmm. um, so are you? You're not a fan of active recovery, or is that, or is active recovery something different to you than, like, running stairs? To me, that's not really active recovery. That's another right. workout. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Okay. So I don't have a problem with an active recovery. Mm-hmm. Like go on a walk every single day. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. I'm not saying like sit on your couch to recover all day long. Gotcha. But I think that athletes or individuals who are very competitive mm-hmm. think that just because they're not lifting weights that day, they're not. They're they're. It's a recovery right. day. Or they're they're stimulus addicts a little bit like me. Yes. Where yeah. Exactly. You, you got to pull back a little exactly. bit. Exactly. So yeah. sometimes it's like. I'm totally fine with you just walking, Mm -hmm. but going on, you know, you have to find that kind of happy medium of being active and moving or doing some mobility work that day. Totally fine. You know, right. Do some yoga or low strain activities. Although yoga can also be very hard. So again, depending depending on the individual and the the class you're taking and whatever. So I think it probably means something different to different people, depending Mm -hmm. on where you're at in your fitness journey. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's some people who their actual recovery days are not recovery days at yeah. all. So I think it's just something to be aware of. And I personally, I feel and I feel like I look better when I take those days off. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree. Like I said, I, I that's my challenge oh. is pulling back, but I've gotten way better at over the last two years especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding the things that like, well, what can I, can I just lightly swim today or the, like lately I've, on my off days I'll just go climb trees or something yeah. like I'll do something yeah. that's not difficult for me right like it's I'm walking around most of the time all that yeah. but yeah. yeah no I think that's very important mm-hmm. um what uh what do you eat like 
do I eat like? Yeah, let's get so get, let's see what your nutrition tips are for some people. Uh, well, so I let's see. I mean, I generally eat. So I'm still breastfeeding. So I feel like I snack a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, if there's anyone who's breastfed that's listening, they like totally understand okay, so that I, because yeah, you have to explain to me a little yeah. bit. I'm just hungry all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's but, important too. I think it's yeah. people miss out on like. It's okay to eat, especially if you're legitimately if you feel hungry. hungry. Yeah. 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 And I think too, I, again, I'm not a dietitian and I don't give like specific advice on that, right. but I will tell people sometimes and they're like, well, I've been eating super healthy or I'm not eating a ton and I'm not losing weight. Then I'm like, you really need to talk to someone because you might be surprised at what they tell you you should be eating. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I feel like I... On the weekends, I enjoy my pizza. Mm -hmm. I love ice cream. It's been my favorite food since I was a kid, awesome. and I will never give up my ice cream. Absolutely. You'd never have to. Uh, no. But I I try and sneak vegetables in as much as I can. Mm -hmm. um, my husband likes, like, four vegetables, and they all have to be cooked, so that's oh, always a that's fun challenge of yeah. how do I. So, um, I mean, usually in the morning, I'll make myself, like, an egg sandwich. I'll throw some spinach on there, some mm -hmm. tomatoes or something. Um, I generally will make us lunches for the week and I'll do some sort of like quinoa rice, something like that, um, with some chicken or I'll make like some turkey meatballs, something along those lines and a vegetable. So I make him nice. at least take a vegetable for lunch with yeah. him. Um, <laughs> whether he eats it or not, I well, have no idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I send it with him. Um, <laughs> And I will do like some yogurt and some fruit. Um, in the afternoons, I'll usually have some sort of snack, whether it's um, some carrots and hummus, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then dinner, it just depends. So sometimes I, the, my go-to if I have no clue what to make is always tacos because they always sound delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll always do tacos if we can. Um, but it just depends. And sometimes, I mean, I don't not eat pasta. We eat pasta at our yeah. house. We have pizza sometimes. Absolutely. We, you know. It's all balanced, yeah. Exactly. And I'm, I'm very much a believer in that, you know, it's, food isn't, you don't have to punish yourself for what you eat, first mm -hmm. of all. Like I said, I love ice cream, and so I'm right. never going to give that up. Um, Just like pain, have a healthy relationship with food, exactly. whether that food is good or or quote-unquote bad, bad right but yeah. have a healthy relationship with it regardless yeah, yeah yeah um we recently found out that my son is allergic to peanuts so we're having oh. a lot of sadness around yeah. that because i love peanut butter pretty severe or we're still figuring it out okay um so he had some hives after he ate some peanut butter and mm -hmm. positive skin test positive blood test so next week i have to take him for a um food challenge mm. I'm learning all these things about food allergies. My husband and I don't have food allergies, so we yeah. had no idea, um, you know, what to expect from this. But basically, they give him a little bit of peanut butter and observe, just see what happens yeah. and see how much he can ingest before he reacts to it. Um, so we're sorting through that right now. Mm -hmm. But we both love peanut butter, so we're feeling a little sad about having, having to, to be a peanut-free house. Well, you, um, you may. I've looked a lot and something I've looked a lot into lately is reversing allergy symptoms yeah. and stuff like that. And okay. not, I don't know enough about sure. to really speak, yeah. but there, there's something to it. So maybe mm -hmm. you'll luck I out know. and find I'm, a way to And I'm hoping, I've been trying to read up on it as much as I can. And I'll learn from the allergist. Mm -hmm. The saddest thing was our dogs love peanut butter. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll give it to them in their little Kong toys. And we're like, there's no more peanut butter, yeah. guys. Sorry. So... I'm sure they'll find other things they oh, like. Oh yeah. So with your with your son, um, mm -hmm. have you thought much about how, like, 
to develop his relationship with um, health and mm -hmm. nutrition and stuff? Like, what what kind of things go through your head? Like, yeah. I don't have kids, so I have no sure. idea yeah. what I'm talking about yeah. here. But <laughs> I mean, I think the first thing is just the example you set, right? Yeah. So, you know, growing up, my parents, they put my brother and I in everything. We tried all the sports. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, they supported whatever we decided to do. Mm -hmm. Besides quitting golf, my mom made me finish the season of golf. I hated it. <laughs> it was the one sport that I just couldn't do. Yeah. Um, but they always supported us, and they encouraged us to try different things. Mm -hmm. And my pa my mom always exercised. Okay. I always saw so her doing it. So you grew up with a pretty healthy yeah. relationship with it. Right. That's good. So I think for me it's a matter of like my husband and I want to set that example for our son that exercise isn't a punishment for what you ate mm -hmm. exercise isn't um, you know some sort of like I have to do this mm -hmm. we get to go out and move right. we get to walk the dogs we get to go to the gym um, you know one of the things I told my husband is like as soon as he's old enough like I want to get him in gymnastics so he can figure out how his body moves and yeah. he can learn you know be comfortable moving around and and um, you know build some strength and Absolutely. mobility that way um, and you know I just I don't I will never force him Mm -hmm. to participate in something he doesn't want to do, but right. I want to encourage him to try things and yeah. figure out where his passions are. Yeah. Um, and ideally, you know, he's started solids, obviously, and we've just been giving him whatever to try. Mm -hmm. You know, just try these different foods, and so far he loves everything. He That's just good. loves to eat. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it's been fun to see him try different things, and, yeah. and I, you know, I'm in control right now of what he eats, so I just try and feed him as many different healthy things with different flavors and, mm -hmm. and you know, expose him to different things. So I think when you are constantly eating all the same things or you're, you know, as a kid, you eat all the same things, then that's just what you're used to. Yeah, and your palate develops that way. Your gut yeah. biome develops that way, a bunch right. of things. Yeah. yeah, and who knows, in three years, he might refuse to eat anything but hot dogs, and we'll deal with it at right. that point. But, you know, right <laughs> now, as he's willing, I'm trying to just introduce him to as many things as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. One more question on, mm -hmm. on your lifestyle. Um, how do you sleep? And how do you, especially now, mm -hmm. with the young kid? Okay, so I will say that um, we're very lucky. My son is a really good sleeper. Nice. So we, I generally get a good at least eight hours every night. Awesome. Um, sometimes more? Sometimes more, oh, depending yeah. on the day. Now we're talking. Um, but he's a really good sleeper, so we're very lucky. So those first, it's amazing when you first bring a baby home and you have to feed them every three hours, and mm -hmm. somehow you function on like two and a half hours of sleep. It's the wildest thing. You think um, like your hormones compensate because you know because your body knows what's going on. Yeah, I wonder if probably. That plays. But I feel like even my husband will tell you like he was just like whatever. Like when we were at the hospital, I sent him home to sleep for a little bit because there was nowhere comfortable for him to sleep, and he got like three hours of sleep and came back and was ready to go. Like we were. <laughs> cracking up. He's like, that was the best three hours of sleep I've ever had because we've been up for like 48 hours straight. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, you start to feel it after mm -hmm. those first few weeks of really being sleep deprived and he did pretty well going longer stretches but we've been lucky since he was about five months old that he slept through the night okay. um, which is very, very lucky. Yeah, that's it. That we're lucky. Sounds very rare. I think he's tricking us into having more kids Yeah. because I'm sure our next kid will never sleep. I'm just preparing <laughs> myself for that. Um, but he's a great sleeper and we, you know, I won't say that we have the best like sleep hygiene. My husband's one of those. He loves to watch 
watched TV before it oh, goes to yeah. bed. Yeah. Not a battle worth fighting. But we keep our room nice and cool, which is again him. But mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that helps to yeah. have, you know, a cooler cool space to sleep in. Yeah. Um, and and just being able to get those adequate hours of sleep I think makes a huge difference. So well, it sounds like you sleep like a champ then. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with today? Um, Any last thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know if I really um, ever said the name of my business. <laughs> yeah, so that's where we're finishing up. I would say, yeah. why don't you tell people where to find sure. you, a little bit about your business and yeah. any social media to find you on, everything like yeah. that. Plug so away. my business is called Absolute Kinetics Physical Therapy. Like I mentioned, I'm in Oakley inside of the Body Shop Fitness and in O'Brienville inside of the Breathing Room. So I have those two locations. Um, my website, which is going to have scheduling on it again soon, is absolutekineticspt.com. My Instagram is at absolutekineticspt. Um, and then you can email me at info at absolutekineticspt.com. Um, and my personal Instagram, if you want to look at a bunch of pictures of my dog and my kid, is a Hutchison DPT. So there's no N in the middle of Hutchison. <laughs> Is that how your last name spelled, or that you didn't get the Instagram handle? No, that's how my so and it's okay. my married name, but it's Hutchison. Okay. No M in the middle. I literally didn't know that until now. I know. So, yeah. Okay. Learn something, something every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you for sitting down with me of today, course. Alexis. Yeah, thanks and for having me. For everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. You know where to find me. Adaptive Training Principles on Instagram. It's also the name of my website, and I'm operating out of Paramount Fitness over in Dent on the west side of Cincinnati. Thank you. Bye.